Okay, so I'm going to talk about um, a teaching that is very, very important to me, which is the teaching of impermanence. Um, I love the way in one of Bante's lectures he says if you boiled all the Buddhist scriptures down to one word, that word would be impermanence. I can sort of get hold of that and I think, okay, that's all I need to really... Um, if I live by impermanence, I'm living by all the teachings of the Dharma. Um, such a simple little word, but such an extraordinary perspective. Uh, so I think uh, initially the idea that human beings can change, that was very revelationary. And in fact, I remember talking to my sister who said, I don't think people can change. And that was after I'd been practicing for a little while and it was like, wow, you know. I think that people can't change because it had become so obvious to me that it's all about change. And then I reflected back and I thought, oh yeah, I never used to think that people could change. You know, we're just kind of the way we are. And you make the best of it, being a kind of fixed individual. So it's extremely radical, isn't it? This idea that I can change, you can change. Not only that, we are change. So it's not even that one can change, but we are we don't have an essence, we are just change. That's a very radical uh, view, that's an aha moment. Yeah. And then when I got ordained, I had another aha moment around this, and I'm ashamed to say it took me, you know, eight years of practice or something to get this. And that is that by implication, every single action of body, speech and mind has an effect. Yeah, so out of impermanence you get the, if everything's changing, well how does it change and on what basis does it change and then you get the idea of conditionality, that this change is rolling out based on causes and conditions. By implication, oh my god, you know, I am a conditioning factor in other people's worlds. I'm a conditioning factor in the world. And I think, again, I, up until that point, I had thought that you know, there's that phrase, stop the world, I want to get off. And I think up to that point, I thought when I didn't really want to be aware, I was just pushing the pause button on condition conditionality. I could sort of do my own thing and it didn't really matter. And I was like, oh, you know, 24-7, I'm just standing ripples out into the world. And they're either going to be benevolent ripples or they're going to be destructive ripples. And there's not really anything in between. That was shocking. I, I sort of had, that came to me as like a complete bolt of lightning on my ordination retreat. So it was, it was awesome is the word. And then out of that at some point later on I had another big sort of bolt of lightning. You know, if I'm just, if everything's impermanent and I'm changing, the phrase was, I'm not good, I'm not bad, I'm conditioned. That was like a complete revelation. I'm not good, I'm not bad, I'm conditioned. Because I think up to that point, like many of us, it was like, oh, I'm such a bad person. And, you know, God, there's no hope. You know, that sort of thing. <laughs> Everyone else can change, I can't change. But it was like, that's a bit like what you're saying, such a selfish view. It's very, very deluded, very self-referential. Actually, there is no I, there is no good, there is no bad. There's just conditioning. And that was, that had a, it really changed me, that phrase. Every now and then in my spiritual life I've had voices come to me. I don't know what that means but it's a bit like some higher wisdom sort of comes to me through voices. So it was this voice saying I'm not good, I'm not bad, I'm conditioned. So, and then that liberated me from this negative self-view. 
that had, had tended to come in. Um, and in an out of, out of impermanence, conditionality, change, uh, what's very alive for me at the moment is flow. So very, very alive for me in my practice, has been for quite some time, is trying to live with the flow of life. Because life is just flowing anyway. So how can I flow with life rather than keeping on putting boulders in the river of life? Because that's what we do in a way. We sort of chuck in a great big dam every now and then and then get very kind of obsessed about the dam. But it's all just mind created. So how can I just be fluid and flexible and flowing mentally, emotionally and physically? And that's very, very alive for me. And uh, in my meditation, I like the meditation I did this morning, that's quite typical of the way I might meditate at home, where I go really deeply inside my body and the breath. And it's a bit like everything is just kind of, even at the cellular level, there's an expanding and a condensing in the whole body. And then what happens then is the, the hard edges start to soften and everything becomes more porous. And then if I'm like that, you're like that. So where do I end and where do you begin? So this whole idea of self and others starts to uh, break down and there's just this flow. And I can do that in my meditation and it can feel quite alive. But then when I remember metta, warm it up, because it can, otherwise it can just be a little bit abstracted. So to bring in the heart response to that, then suddenly whoosh, it kind of everything just comes alive. And I can feel quite absorbed in this just lovely flow of life that I'm a part of. Very like what Diane Lundy was saying. And uh, an image that I quite often use is uh, on the in-breath, beings are forming. And on the out-breath, beings are dissolving. Mm -hmm. Just like waves on the ocean. So the in, there's the wave up and the wave down. So we're forming and we're dissolving and we're forming and dissolving. So it's kind of form and emptiness. And that's very, very lovely. And to do the metta practice out of that kind of perspective um, feels quite different from here's me trying to love you. But it's just we are all just, you know, just part of this whole flow and it's all lovely and warm. And um, I can sort of shift my interest from being just me oriented to where, you know, it's, it's a we. That's it. You move from a we, a me to a we. So you have the we perspective, and that's a, it's a very lovely way to practice. So I, I thought I'd just let you know about that. Um, yeah, but the, the key, the key that, like I said, it's like flicking a switch is when I bring metta to bear. So it's kind of mindfulness initially, and then you, I remember metta, and then oh, my heart opens, and it moves from being a kind of slightly conceptual analysis of experience to being something that's very lived and very loving and very open and red and warm. So that's, I thought that would be interesting for you to hear as well. Um, some other, just some other sort of keys in my Dharma life. Um, it was interesting then my pre, my, my, my ordination training phase I had to, it took me a long time to realize this, but I had to get right down to what was my core wrong view because it felt like something kept tripping me up. So I'd do all the right things and, you know, go on retreat and be ethical. And, but I kept on 
foundering or floundering, whatever the word is. Um, it felt like there was just something that I wasn't getting. Um, you know, I was very insecure. If I did things, I'd want to get praise. You know, there was just, it just felt like there was something that I was missing. I was missing. I, you know, I had the great wealth of the Dharma, but there was some disconnect. So eventually I got right down to my core wrong view. I can't remember how I got there, but it was by like getting out the pneumatic drill a wee bit. And uh, the core wrong view was I don't have a right to exist. And that was from my childhood. I, can, I won't bore you with the details, but that was, I thought, oh, that's it. It was like I'd really gone right down and this was the thing that was holding me back because all my Dharma practice was built on a view that I don't have a right to exist. So no wonder there was a disconnect. And I'm like, oh God, that's it. You know, it was so obvious to me once I got down there. And interestingly, I didn't ever have any therapy, which could have helped, I guess, but for some reason I didn't go down that route. I just did months and months and months of metabhavana. Very like what you were saying. Loads and loads of self-meta. You know, of course I've got a right to exist. You know, I'm alive. So it was just like gradually letting go of that view. And then there was a deep turning around, very deep turning around. And probably around that time there might have been this, I'm not good, I'm not, I'm not bad, I'm conditioned. Mm -hmm. Because of course if I'm a conditioned arising and passing a phenomena, how can I possibly not have a right to exist or have a right to exist? It's kind of the question's wrong. Mm -hmm. The whole, the whole um, nature of that debate is based on ignorance and delusion. So it was just like softening into life and thinking, okay. And then I did have to heal my heart around that view and do a lot of self matter, which is brilliant actually, because I don't have that view at all now. I think, it's, it's, I think that's absurd. <laughs> How can I possibly think I don't have a right to exist? But it ruled my life when I was unaware of it. So in a way, the message there is we do have to bring these bits of ourselves that are in darkness that are tripping us up. We have to bring those into the light of awareness and work on them and transform them. Yeah. Um, a few other little things. So I could probably do this in a minute or two. So it was, it's been massive for me to realize that I can be aware of my thoughts and emotions as objects of awareness rather than being com completely identified with the content. When I was realizing, oh, I, this is, this is what an angry thought or an angry emotion is like. I could look at that rather than just being consumed by anger or insecurity, whatever it is. You know, this is me being insecure rather than, oh my God, my life's coming to an end. <laughs> so that shift from being completely identified with the content of one's experience to being able to shine a light of awareness on it as an object, that's huge. I would say that's what things like the Satipatthana Sutta are all about making one's inner world the object of awareness. Not holding to views and opinions so strongly, that's connected, that's all tied in. My conditioning in my family is, you know, you definitely have to have views and opinions to survive. So I became very good at that. But it's all just nonsense. So now I'm, I'm really working very hard on just my perspective on life being I don't know. It's very liberating instead of all endlessly kind of formulating, you know, people say something and you're, you're kind of preparing your retort. 
just to have a perspective of, well, I don't know. It's great. It's kind of, and even my body language, I sort of rest it back. I don't know. So that's very much what I'm working on at the moment. So related to that, and this is just, I'll end on this, is um, I feel one of the great outcomes of Dharma practice, of the Buddha's teaching, is to hold life lightly. Oh, I love that. Just kind of not be so uptight about things. The things that we get so worked up about, really they don't matter. And to have a good laugh. I don't know that that's in any suitor. <laughs> But it should be. Yeah. It should be in there. Like, for goodness sake, lighten up, have a good laugh. And I think that's enriched my life enormously, just being able to laugh at my own ridiculous mind and laugh with love at other people's ridiculous minds. And that's so wonderful, isn't it? Because we do take ourselves far too seriously, I think. So um, it becomes very joyful because it's like, wow, we are crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, my favourite line from the Dharma is, all worldlings are mad. That's one of my favourite lines from the Dharma, because I think it's true. You know, our kind of intensity about our own little narrow world is a form of madness. And the Buddha saw right through that. So, but it, you need to have a lot of love when you're starting to go down that route. But to sort of hold life lightly with a lot of love and have a laugh. That's, for me, very much what the Dharma's about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>